And so last week, we talked about the revival of God's people, which makes sense. Uh, logically and historically, historically, every time God has poured out a revival on a community, he begins with his people. His people are the ones that have a spiritual fire. But sometimes it burns low, and so God has to pour out his lighter flu fluid, and boom, the, the hearts of God's people are reignited. And what follows from that is uh, a, de a desire to pray. And so when God's people begin to pray in a, in a unique and mighty way, then God responds. And of course, uh, there, you got to always wonder, what comes first, the prayer or the revival? And, you know, in my theology, uh, it's God decides he's going to do something special and so he pours out his lighter fluid on our hearts, and then we begin to play, pray. But the Bible makes it clear that God responds to our prayers. He chooses to respond to our prayers to do really exciting things. This week, we are, we are praying for the awakening of the lost, uh, awakening of spiritual awakening of lost and broken people. Here's the way our uh, guide puts it. This week, we will pray for those who do not yet follow Christ, that God would wake them from spiritual slumber. We will pray that God moves in the lives of many people to awaken them and draw them to himself. We will seek God in hope that many will come alive to God at the same time. That's, uh, that is our prayer for this week. That's what we're practicing. That's what we're desiring. So let me begin talking about uh, a, a revival. This is the layman's Prayer Revival of 1857-58. Some say it was the beginnings of the Third Great Awakening. Uh, others are not sure there was a Third Great Awakening in our country. But regardless, it is, uh, it's amazing what happened. In um, June 1st of 1857, a guy by the name of Jeremiah Calvin, he was a very successful businessman, uh, made a lot of money, had a great reputation. And he quit that job. And he began to work uh, as an uh, associate pastor at the North Dutch Reformed Church in Lower Manhattan. And what he did is he just went around all day long. He went around uh, knocking on doors, uh, asking if he could pray for people, sharing the gospel, handing out tracts. He was basically, basically Seth Nicholas, just full time. <laughs> Seth's our neighborhood evangelist. And a, a few months into this, he, he gets this uh, a desire to pray. And he has a buddy, and his buddy is uh, the head of the local YMCA, Young Men's Christmas, Christian Association. So he goes to his friend, he says, hey, uh, what if we kind of reignite that uh, now gone businessman's noon prayer lunch? And his buddy says, let's do it. So they have the first noon prayer on September 23rd, 1857. Six people show up. It's kind of largely just sort of a envisioning planning meeting. The next week, they did it weekly. The next week, there were 20. The following week, there were 40. And at that point, they said, hey, we've got enough participation. Maybe we should do this every week. So they start, I'm sorry, every day. So they start this every day. Three and a half months into it, mid-January 1858, 3,000 people are coming to this prayer meeting. Now they say, look, we've overwhelmed our venue. We've got to launch new venues. And um, within just a number of months, there were 21 prayer meetings going on in Manhattan and six in Brooklyn. 
And I left it at home. I'm, I'm so bummed because the New York Times, I have an, a, a, an excerpt from an article from the New York Times uh, date, dated March 20, 1858. And basically the New, New York Times says, uh, it's unbelievable what is happening here in our city. Uh, and they were, they were saying at, at noon, you have businessmen, workers, the busy, busiest time of day, and in one particular location, there were 5,000 people. And the New York Times says, and this is happening all over our city. Uh, and they were amazed. Even the secular media was taking notice that God was doing something unique, something extraordinary. And so that's what we are longing for. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're practicing this week. Now, let me be clear. The church in Anchorage is effective. Every single week in our city, God's people pray for the lost, share the gospel. Every single week, people repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so the church in Anchorage is not ineffective. It is effective. Uh, But we want to see something unique happening. We want to see something extraordinary happen. And so what we're really saying is, God, we want the number of people each week in Anchorage giving their lives to Christ, we want that to skyrocket. (laughs) We want the rate of conversions to, like, dramatically uh, uptick. And if there's one thing I want you to hear today, it's that. It's this. If that's going to happen, if we want to see an extraordinary work of God, well, then the people of God are going to need to get extraordinary about our prayers for the lost. Because God, in Scripture, says, um, I respond to the prayers of my people for the lost. And so if we want to see something out of the ordinary, we're going to have to get out of the ordinary. And this week, it's all about uh, getting out of the ordinary in our prayers for the lost. So today I want to answer three very simple questions. Number one, why do we pray for the lost? Why isn't just preaching the gospel sufficient by itself? Number two, what should we be praying? What's the content of our prayers for the lost? And then finally, when should we pray? Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul is uh, explaining why there are always some people who resist his proclamation of the gospel. Why do some people say, no, thank you? How does that make sense when the gospel is such good news? How can people reject it? And so he answers that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 3, he says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Think about a veil. If somebody's wearing a veil, then you can't see clearly what's behind the veil. The gospel is veiled. It's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So why do we pray for the lost? We pray for the lost because unbelief is not always merely the uh, result of the stubborn will of man. Unbelief is, is oftentimes 
spiritual bondage. The evil one is veiling the gospel. The evil one is blinding the minds of the unbelievers so that they can't see the gospel for what it is. Good news for them. And because they're blinded, they say, no, thank you. And so we pray for the lost because uh, how, do you, how do you overcome a spiritual bondage? Not by more talk, not by more skillful uh, presentation of the gospel, but by the power of God. God has got to break these people free from their spiritual bondage. That's their only hope. So that's the number one reason we pray. Because when people are blinded, it is God who has to heal them so that they can see. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. Now, um, here, the, uh, a story of Jesus healing a uh, boy from an unclean spirit this is recorded. And that's the, the fact that Jesus delivers this boy from uh, demonic possession is not extraordinary. Jesus is, has been doing that. What's uh, unique about this story is that his disciples had already tried to um, cast this demon out and failed. And they're perplexed. We pick up the story in verse 25. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit. So uh, the result of this demonic possession was that the, this boy was unable to talk or hear and often had fits of epilepsy. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So they're perplexed. Because um, just three chapters earlier, Jesus had given his disciples authority over the demons. And we read that they went out and they successfully cast out lots of demons and healed lots of people physically in the name of Jesus. But here they encounter uh, uh, an unclean spirit that will not respond to them. Why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now Jesus is talking about uh, uh, demonic possession and the casting out of demons, but I think there's a spiritual principle here that applies to praying for the lost. And it's this, some spiritual breakthrough requires a unique work of God. And we've just read that uh, unbelief, sometimes unbelief is a result of spiritual bondage. The evil one has, got their, has blinded them. They're spiritually um, handicapped. And sometimes the, the only chance that they have to come to faith in Jesus is for God's people to pray that God would break through, would do a unique work. Now, our prayers, uh, our prayers don't have any power in and of themselves. We're not, we don't view the world magically as if we utter an incantation and it you know, breaks the spell. No, what a prayer is just saying, God, would you please come to work in my friend's life and overwhelm the evil one? 
The evil one's blinding their minds, but God greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Please overwhelm the work of the evil one and so that they can see, take the veil away from the gospel. And God says, I like those prayers. I respond to those prayers. And so, you know, when you are, uh, when you share the gospel and you get the big no, even the mockery, even the, the hurtful rejection, you got to, and sometimes we walk away and say, ah, I blew it. If, I, if only I'd studied up a little bit more. Man, I did not have the answer to that question. If I had the answer to that question, they'd be on their way to heaven. No. Often what it is is the evil one has blinded their eyes and no amount of skill on your part is going to do anything. You pray, God, would you please take the blinders off? And there's the answer to our second question. What do we pray? What do we pray? Turn back to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now verses 5 and 6. Paul writes, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying is, hey, the reason we have received the gospel is because God has shown his light into our hearts. He's helped us see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's helped us see who Jesus really is. The son of the living God, the savior of the world, our only hope. God did that for us. Let's pray that he'll do that for other people. If you're here this morning and you have heard the gospel repeatedly and you have a heart that is hardened and doesn't see your need for Jesus Christ, may I suggest that uh, you need to ask the Lord to, to free you from bondage. Because that's, that's, that's why you have unbelief. Your mind is darkened. And even the prayers of an unbeliever for sight, the Lord will hear that and respond to that. So what are we praying? We're saying, God... Would you overwhelm the evil one? Would you take the blinders off just like you healed the blind man at the pool of Bethesda and he was blind from birth and boom, all of a sudden he could see. You can do that with people spiritually. Open my friend's eyes. Open my classmate's eyes. Open my co-worker's eyes. Open my husband or wife's eyes that they may see uh, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and respond. And, you know, I know some of you have prayed for a long time for people that you love. And up till now, you haven't seen it. Don't give up. The Bible says to pray and don't lose heart. They're still alive. The Lord hears your prayers. The Lord hears your prayers. Pray. But pray fervently, right? The, prayer of a, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It matters to God. So why do we pray? We pray for the lost because uh, unbelief is often spiritual bondage. And this kind only comes out through prayer. And we pray, what are we praying? God, overwhelm, overwhelm the either, evil one, you're greater. You can set them free. And now when do we pray? Turn, if you would, to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 2. When do we pray? 
1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, starting in verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Pray for the lost when you want to do something of supreme significance. First of all then, number one priority for a Christian, pray. When you are uh, three people deep uh, waiting in line at Costco, want to do something important, significant with your time, pray for someone, pray for the lost. Pray for somebody you know who doesn't yet know Jesus. When your uh, child is at the dentist and you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs, you don't have to just twiddle your thumbs. You can do something supremely significant. Pray for the lost. I told you the story a few weeks ago about uh, uh, I was with Andrea Fustalo, and he is uh, with the navigators in Amsterdam, and we're having a meeting, and his alarm starts to chime, and I thought it was his phone. I said, go ahead, you can take this call. He said, no, no, it's, it's just a reminder. It prompts me 3.30 every day to pray for three people. I said, well, let's do it. Don't let me stop you. And so I had the privilege of praying for his brother, for a, a gal who... Uh, was from India who had spent a year in Amsterdam and had been in a Bible study but hadn't yet given her life to the Lord and a friend. And we, we took time and we prayed. And I couldn't, I thought to myself, the chances of those people going to heaven has got to be so much greater than if, if Andrea were not praying. And what do I, again, I have to say, I believe that those prayers, Andrea's passion and desire to pray for him, God puts that in our hearts. But we have to be faithful and we have to respond uh, to that. You want to do something significant? Pray for the lost. Uh, secondly, if you, want to, uh, if you want to love people you don't even know, pray for the lost. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. The Christians he's talking to don't necessarily know those kings and those people in high positions, and yet we can pray for them. We can love people we don't even know. Sometimes, you know, you hear stories even across the world and uh, your heart, you're just like, ah, that needs to change. God, please change their hearts. I have to admit I'm having a hard time praying for the ISIS people to become Christians. But you know what? We need to. We need to pray even for ISIS because they're blinded. They're blinded by the evil one. Take the scales off so they, so they don't think that beheading Christians is the right thing to do uh, or the noble thing to do. Number three. Uh, pray for the lost when you want to positively influence society. Uh, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. You know, when uh, people in positions of power come to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, they tend to promote righteousness. And uh, they let Christian people um, go for it. They let us uh, preach the gospel in the schools. Number four, uh, if you uh, pray for the lost when you want to please God, listen to this, verse 3. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. God is pleased when we pray for the lost. Why? Because we're praying uh, according to his heart. 
right? He wants lost people to be found. And that's the next statement. God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. When we pray for the lost, we are praying according to the will of God, and it pleases him. Final reason that we pray for the lost. Pray for the lost when you want somebody to go to heaven. Uh, here there is just undeniable, uh, an undeniable link between our prayers for the lost and them going to heaven. Who, you know, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why is God pleased with our prayers for the lost? Because uh, he's going to answer those prayers. And uh, that, that pleases him. That there will be, people will come into the kingdom because we have asked God to break through their spiritual blindness. And, and you know, someday, don't you want to be in heaven someday and the Lord will let us, connect, he'll connect all the dots for us. And we're like, wow, you know, I prayed for that person and the Lord had heard that prayer. I almost forgot about that. That's going to be really cool to see. And it will, uh, we do this, why do we do it? For God's glory, uh, for, the, for our own joy, and then of course, for the, the freedom uh, for, of, all, of, uh, of those who come to Christ. On everybody's seat today, and I'm sure it was just sort of annoying to you, but uh, you have these impact cards. You're like, why am I sitting on this? Where do I put this thing? So now you can grab them, and they'll make some sense. My impact list. This, put this in your Bible, but here's a... Um, a reminder to pray for the lost and a place for you to uh, write some actual names down. Some people that you're going to commit yourself to uh, asking God for breakthrough. Pray. God, take the blinders off. May they come, uh, come to Christ. You know, there's a, a couple that the Lord's brought to, uh, to my heart and I, I really think so far my witness to them and my prayers for them so far it has been unanswered and I have to admit I've sort of been like eh, it's true I guess they are so far from the Lord this isn't ever going to happen and the Lord's uh, had to challenge me on that no keep praying keep praying pray for breakthrough so I'm committed to a more fervent prayer for this couple and I'm excited to see the Lord answer that well let's pray Lord uh, we just love you Thank you for inviting us to join you in this incredible mission. And Lord, I pray that uh, we, we just ask that you would pour out your lighter fluid on our souls so that prayer is not a chore, but Lord, we are inspired. And I pray today that you would inspire all of us this week as we are praying for the lost. Lay on our heart family members, friends, coworkers, classmates, Lord, our city. And we, we want to see uh, a unique work here in Anchorage. We want to see you, you work in such a powerful way that even the secular media takes notice and says, wow, something is going on that is not normal. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.